Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. afternoon and good evening and welcome to this the latest HR on the offensive podcast it's me Chris Howard from Lace Partners thank you very much once again for joining me in in May as we are recording this podcast and a blanket of grey that has descended upon the UK which is a little bit depressing but do you know what we're gonna have fun today and I've got an interesting uh, conversation that myself and my fellow Lacer Max Bailey Max how you doing Chris great to be here again really looking forward to the conversation with Matt yeah, we're going to have a good conversation with Matt, and you've done a little segue in, because um, today we're going to talk to Matt Brooks-Smith, who is CEO and founder of Future Workshops, and it's a very interesting product that Matt and his team have got, actually, because it relates around apps. I'm not going to go into too much detail, because I'm going to let him introduce himself, but Max and I have met uh, Matt uh, a couple of times, and we thought it'd be really, really interesting just to pick his brains on his experience, and certainly his experience of working on apps for iOS, Android, that sort of thing, and working with HR teams as well. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. So, talk to us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of background before we go into the details about some of the work that you've done with um, HR teams. Talk to us a little bit about the background on the business, the setup of the business, and then also if you could just yeah, let's let's we'll, we'll kick around some questions around uh, how you've uh, how you've worked and what you guys actually do. Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, I'm I'm Matt Brooksmith. I'm the CEO and the founder of a company called Future Workshops. Uh, it's a company that I founded in 2007, so we've been around for a bit of time. And the purpose, the goal of the company, the mission of the company has been to help customers take advantage of the most pervasive form of computing that we have today, which is mobile technology. Everybody has a supercomputer in their pockets, um, and we all use them to play games. And our kind of raison d'etre from day one has been to, to help yeah, huge companies around the world take advantage of opportunities provided by the changes we've seen related to mobile mobile tech. Yeah, and even even I guess Matt, since two thousand and seven, when when you guys first came to market, mobile tech has come on a long way since then. I remember my smartphone, or possibly slightly sleepy dumb phone, in two thousand and seven would have been quite a challenge to build some of the stuff you're building today on. So, how have you seen that? You know, that I guess the the platform that you're using to create that channel evolve over the intervening, golly, 12, 14, 15 years? Yeah, for sure. Well, prior to founding Future Workshops, I actually worked for a large financial services organization for a couple of years and I had experience working with commodities company. And I'd always felt that the next wave of change that we were going to experience was going to be related to mobile computing. And I I left my job. I I, kind of quit my job. I told everyone I was going to build the next world-beating company. And that was actually in 2005. And in 2005, we tried to build really exciting software products, really exciting apps for Nokia phones and Samsung phones. And what we found was that it was really difficult to build anything that would actually make people interested to use an app. We didn't even really know the kind of the term mobile apps at at that stage. And so when um, Apple burst onto the scene with, with the iPhone, it was really clear to me 
that this was going to be the catalyst to change the way that we all experience computing. And obviously that that growth started off relatively slow and, and grew exponentially. And that I guess I guess I see the kind of the period split into a number of phases. The initial phase was, of course, the kind of early adopters like myself telling everyone that there was a huge new wave of of opportunity coming and, and people saying, I'm not really sure. You know, you know, people still had a lot of Blackberries. They still had a lot of Nokia devices. So there was this kind of early adopter phase where we built things that made people more comfortable running apps on their on their smartphones. And that tended to be gimmicky things, you know, kind of gadgets. There were lots of apps that allowed you to maybe have a kind of a cigarette lighter to maybe drink some phone, you know, these kind of things that, that just made the devices more approachable, but often related to marketing campaigns, to be honest. That's how corporates really harness that kind of first wave of technology. And what we then saw was that around 2010-11, with the launch of the iPad and with Android gaining popularity, people started to see their smartphones as more serious computing devices. And then there was a third phase when things really switched over and when I think we all realized that actually we were spending more time using our smartphones than any other connected device than our desktops, um, often laptops. Um, and, and we were consuming much more engaging content via the, the device that we bought off the shelf and we were using at home than maybe our work environment could provide us with or our previous home desktop computer could provide us with. And that was really the point I felt my original vision was starting to come to fruition where, where the mobile device was the most pervasive form of computing. And it was the first thing that we all started to reach for. We started to carry it around. It, we started to, you know, leave our wallets at home and take our phones, leave our keys at home and take our phones. You know, I, and now I drive my car with my, with my phone. I don't need a car key for it. So that, you know, there was that kind of phase where I guess, you know, the kind of gimmicks phase was, was first. Then there was this phase where we started to use smartphones as serious devices. And then the phase that we're in now where we just use them for everything. They're pervasive. We completely rely on them for many many functions. And the smartphone can also, it's 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 an incredible, it's an incredibly versatile device because we can do things like turn it into a fleet of taxis to come and take us somewhere, turn it into a, a restaurant to deliver us food. It can do so many different things for us that uh, you know we, we just we just rely on it today, and and that's kind of the you know the current phase that we're in. And and I guess the usability as well over that time period has evolved so much. I mean, I know my four year old daughter is now using apps on my phone, whereas if I think of some of the some of the earlier ones, um, there would have been no way she would have had a chance to even on the iPad. They just weren't as easy to use. They weren't as intuitive. Whereas um, she now, when she's uh, trying to change TV, the TV program on Netflix or YouTube, gets irritated that she can't swoosh the screen, as she put it, to move between different different programs or different functionality. Um, so how is that translated or how is this, I guess, technology evolution and what you're seeing in the market? Talk to us maybe a bit about how what you're seeing in the, the people technology space or the or the HR space specifically, and maybe talk about some of the some of the clients and problems you've helped solve there. Yeah, sure. Well, just be careful that your daughter doesn't end up locking you out of your own device. That's something that's happened to me in the past, <laughs> and, and it's 
it just you know it just uh, speaks to you know how literate our kids are today with with these devices digitally literate so so in relation to you know the, the field of kind of people technology i have i have a bit of a, a short a short story about an experience that we had that's really formed what we are as a company today so today our core product is a platform that allows you to build really high quality mobile apps without writing any code and without being an expert at design. So as a non-techie, if you like, as a, as a non-designer, you can pick up our platform and find ways to create services for your employees or for your customers. And you can do that without having to engage a tech team, which is really, really, well, people people call it magic when they see it. It's super exciting. So a little story about how we got to this point. So for years, we've been building apps for our customers. And about five years ago, we had an engagement with a large financial services organization, actually one of the leading banks uh, in the world. And they came to us and said that their HR department have been working super hard on building some great content out for employees uh, inside the organization. And the company was going through a big transformation at the time. What they were trying to do uh, from the top down was that they were trying to help people to grow inside the organization rather than leaving the organization. So it invested a lot of money in training programs and creating content to enable employees to, to grow with the bank, to grow inside the bank. And what they found was that the employees were were engaging, but not as much as they wanted to. And the bank had spent, I mean, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, seven to eight figures on developing this content, you know, a lot of money and a lot of time on developing the content. And so they wanted to get, of course, a return on investment for what they'd done. And they came to us and said, hey, guys, can you help us? We would like to build an app to create a channel so that we can provide this content in a more engaging way. So wherever our you know our team members are they can access this content if they have half an hour there you know on the tube coming into work they can they can they can do training um, if they have some downtime at home some quiet time they can access the content on their mobile device and, and do training so we went and we we spent you know a good amount of time building a really beautiful app really engaging app um, for the bank and we put the app live and we had good but not great engagement with the app. And so we went back and we worked with our customers and said, look, we need to look into this. We need to dig into this. And we did a further engagement, which was researching uh, how people were using that content inside the organization. What we found was a couple of really interesting things. The first thing was that um, people inside the organization, when they reached a certain level, were embarrassed to access training because they felt like they should know it all already. And this is a huge insight for us. So we're talking about these senior people inside the organization and they didn't want to be seen to be undergoing, you know, basic presentation training because they felt like they should, they should do that already. And it was embarrassing for them, for them to do that. So the, one of the original premises behind developing the content was actually um, a little bit flawed. And what we, what we helped to do there was we helped to, to uh, help the organization to understand how they should brand the content. So the content should not be about basic skills. It should be about helping people to advance inside the organization. That was the, um, the first point. And we actually found 
that this um, affected women a lot inside the organization too. So it was something that we really had to, you know, to focus on because the bank wanted to, to try and obviously um, improve gender equality. And part of that was helping women to grow inside the organization. So that, that was something that we, that, we, that we really focused on. The other thing was that traditionally inside this organization, people felt that they, uh, they advanced by networking and the content wasn't helping them to network. And so we had this kind of second realization that there were two big elements that we hadn't addressed with the app that were related to the content. Fantastic story, Matt. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm quite excited by the concept of getting my daughter to build apps on your platform at some stage. Um, I'm sure she'd, I'm sure, be a, sure she'd be a master in, in no time. <laughs> Just thinking of the, the story and, the, and the, the large corporate bank you were talking about, it, it feels like actually you were able to gather a lot of analytics from the app to help inform and educate and provide insights into maybe how how the content and the messaging could be tailored and therefore drive better adoption. Exactly right. So that was one of the one of the huge wins of putting the app live was that we were able to trace who was using it and how people were using it. And then we were able to, obviously all that data was anonymous, but we were able to then, you know, broadly go out to the user group and ask them general questions and then focus in where people were happy to engage with us and give us more information. And what we found, our, our kind of takeaway for future workshops was that we'd spent a long time developing this application without really understanding the underlying motivations and needs of the people who were going to use the application. Mm -hmm. To a point, this and a number of other insights that we were spending too long building things and not enough time understanding how people would use those digital apps and products. And I, it was I'm, those insights that... I, I must say I'm a big fan on spending time on the upfront analysis and thinking before jumping into the code. <laughs> absolutely right, absolutely right. But you know what? Actually, doing the code did give us further insights. Once we had the app, we were able to look at analytics. And what we've always found is that pairing the qualitative and the quantitative information gives you a much truer picture. Uh, and that's what putting the app live helped us to do. The problem was that we took too long to build it, and that's where the platform comes in. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, now, if you fast forward to sort of today and the business that it is at the moment, and we, you mentioned, obviously, how it's very, very easy. It's low code or no code to be able to, to build some of your apps. How often over the, well, perhaps over the last few years, have you found that you have businesses that are almost like wanting to self-service, you know, oh, great, it's low code, we can do it ourselves. And how much of, how many of the businesses that you work with really do still need your handholding? And is that because they don't do enough of that thinking before, they just rush into, let's just go and develop ourselves an app for whatever purpose it is. Yeah, so you know what? Every every organization today is going through digital transformation. Um, and, and that's great. You know, people are really investing in it. They're taking it seriously. It's an ongoing process. And some are more mature in their thinking than others. Some have had experiences like the one that we, we had with uh, the large bank, and they've learned from it, and they'll do things differently in the, in the future. So it really is a, you know, it's a spectrum at times. People ask us to have a full engagement where we'll come and do research and understand their needs. And at other times, what they want to do is they have insight already, and they want to do short, sharp, rapid releases, see what the changes they make, see what impact the changes they make have, 
measure them against their KPIs return on, and, and provide a return on investment measure and then invest on from there. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it is a spectrum for sure. So in terms of timeframes, I know this is going to be a difficult question for you to answer, but what's the sort of average timeframe for businesses that you're working with when you're, you get from the initial meet you, you guys at future workshops through to a fully functioning and working app? I know that's a difficult question because it depends on the complexity of the app itself, but I'm just trying to get a picture of how quickly you sort of deploy, you can deploy it. Uh, with the with the system that you've got, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that I think the the word Chris is looking for is the MVP, Matt. How quickly can you get an viable product versus the the fully baked solution, which might take several iterations? Yeah, that's right. So it's uh, MVP, absolutely right. MVP, um, you know, we can build MVPs in as little as a couple of days. Full MVPs that are ready to go live on and be distributed to customers. It's really amazing when you see the platform in action. It's you know, as I said, people think it's magic, and and it is pretty impressive. Um, what we find is that seeing is believing. So when we're able to show people and demo it to them, they kind of get it. The penny drops, and they're like, "Wow, I can build something to test with my with my user base really quickly without investing a whole chunk of money and time." And what we find, to be honest, is that previously the latency, the time was always in the build process. Now it's more in the procurement, getting us onboarded as a supplier, having conversations and doing research. And that's a huge, huge change. And it does allow us to focus more on those underlying needs, measurements and, and iterations. So instead of doing one release, we could maybe do five or six releases with a with a customer and have a much higher chance of building something that is what the end users need from the product. Yeah, and it, move, it moves the focus completely away from, from how you code the thing or that large waterfall-like build with large numbers of developers in a, in a, in a dark room somewhere. To more bringing that into the light and allowing you to focus very much on the business problem and the the adoption problem that you're trying to solve, which is really exciting, and a, and a, and a fantastic shift in the in the way that the tool set can be used. Um, I, I'm certain we're gonna we'll probably come to you to, to help us build a lace app at some stage. I expect. <laughs> Look forward to that. Look forward to that, and I'm sure within a couple of days you're going to have something amazing that you're that you're happy with. And actually, we've been we've been engaged by organisations in the world um, to build a, an app for them that's really going to help the employee satisfaction across the board. And that app is an app to expose employee offers and benefits to their employees. And it's something they want to do in a, in a really bespoke and custom manner because they're such a large organisation. They don't want to take something off the shelf. They want to build that themselves. And in a couple of weeks we're able to put together a complete app that connects into their centralized office system, shows offers that are location specific to employees. So they know when they're nearby, you know, offers from their organization, employees can interact, give feedback on offers, say, you know, what worked and what didn't work. Uh, and that can all be gathered and centralized locally and, and better offers can be sourced that, that match the the uh, the employees the team members needs so we're super excited about about that that project as i say it's you know a couple of weeks to build a really slick um you know very not a uh, content heavy uh, app connected to a centralized source with analytics and feedback sounds like you're doing some really really exciting stuff actually and um, one of the questions i wanted to ask you was 
because obviously this is the HR on the Offensive podcast. It's aimed at uh, senior HR professionals. What's the the number one sort of challenge that you get asked by HR professionals when it comes to you know developing out apps or your product? Is there anything that really sticks out that you, that you get regularly asked? This is what we want. This is the problem we want you to solve. Yeah, um, for sure. So often people will ask us, are you sure that our team members, that the employees at our organization want an app uh, for the, to solve this problem? Are people still downloading and using apps? It's quite a, it's quite a common thing that, that gets brought up. Um, and I think that the answer to that is absolutely people are still using apps if those apps solve a need for people. And the way that you get to that point is to remove as many risks from the build process as possible by understanding the needs of the people that you're, that you're serving and giving yourself the opportunity to iterate and improve your product over time rather than just doing a single release of something and hoping that you get it right the first time. And I wanted to bring us forward now into the now, if you like. And as we talk, we are all patiently waiting for the pubs to open so that we can uh, be having a few beers indoors. But I want to just reflect and, and get your reflections on the last year, particularly with what you said earlier. And we see this at Lace. We've been talking about this with Lace with regards to the, the accelerated pace of digital transformation, you know, HR teams have been forced and businesses, sorry, have been forced to undertake projects and particularly tech, tech projects and digital projects, which are going to improve things like remote working and, you know, being able to get people that are working in, in different environments. So I just wanted you to get, I just wanted to get your thoughts over the last year, what you've seen from a, have you seen that that like digital transformation, that acceleration, and, and how has it manifested itself just from a future workshops perspective? Yeah, and what I'd say about I, I agree, Chris. I think also that it's not just commercial organisations that are seeing this. I think it's also government agencies. Mm. I think it's it, public bodies, healthcare in the UK. You know, it's across the board. You know, people are seeing how important digital transformation is to their to the the continued relevance of their organizations. What, so, so of course, we, we, like anybody else, we've, we've relied on uh, digital services ourselves uh, over the last year. And I think it, kind of an, an interesting shift that we have seen is, and it relates to our no-code platform, is that a lot more people are starting to want to build those skills to build their own digital products. I think that that's really come about because of the pandemic. People are thinking, how can I freshen up my skill sets? How can I learn new things? And how can I remain relevant? And so people now are much more, I think, excited and open-minded about the idea that they could build an app that is effective for their organization using no-code technologies or you know, using some technologies. Um, and I think it's a really exciting shift. And I, you know, I think something that we're very eager to be part of as a, a community and as a, a you know a way to bring more literacy to you know to employees yeah and i guess i guess if we if we think Matt, about all of the business problems that you know our our clients your clients are dealing with on a daily basis um how many of those clients do you find are able to have a let's call it unchaperoned 
access to your platform where they can actually they can define the business problem themselves they can think through it you know in in near real time in their in their business setting in workshops like touch harvesting the you know the, the knowledge of their business and then they're able to actually as business professionals without a, a deep technology background potentially go into the platform and start to model things themselves or do you find where you, you know the technology is still at the level where it, they need to be chaperoned i use the word chaperone but you you know where i'm coming from yeah yeah sure like a kind of mentorship um you know or you know like as somebody to to give a helping hand to so what we do actually is that we train our customers when they start with the platform we make sure that they understand both the kind of soft skills you know that are required in order to understand the kind of products to build and also the skills to use the platform and then we check in regularly with them and we have different ways to provide you know help where needed so we think that obviously building successful apps is not just about the tech and the coding but what we've done is we've reduced the dependency on that on those self skills and the, and the over reliance and focus on those skills and allow people to focus on end users and needs and opportunities and we can then train them to to learn about those things and build better apps but we're often on hand to help our customers out as well. I was going to say, I'm really excited about the, the possibility of getting getting you into some of our um, clients to share some of the technology, but it's, it's really exciting stuff. Well, it's um, we're just coming to the end of the, uh, the podcast, actually. Uh, Matt, it's been a delight hearing some of your case studies, some of the, uh, the stories that you've got, and we'd love to get you on again, just to get your thoughts, maybe to get an update once all of the lockdown has, has, uh, has subsided, and maybe later on in the year, tell us some of the exciting projects that you're working on but max as always thank you very much for joining me sir a lot of fun as always chris and matt great to see you again thanks guys it's been lovely to have you on you can download this podcast via soundcloud we are on itunes we're on spotify stitcher and tune in um, just search for hr on the offensive thank you very much for listening in um, we hope to see you again next time on the hr on the offensive podcast bye bye